I love to sit and look through those holy pages And read about the eternal rock of ages See all that God has done, the battles he has won The great prophecies unfold In every book from Genesis to Revelation I see his loving grace and this great salvation Brings courage to my soul, for I know he's in control. I believe every word is true. Yes, I believe every word that he said is true. I believe he'll do exactly what he said he would do. How I love his precious... It's time now for the Teaching Timeless Truths radio broadcast with Pastor Roger Walton. So get your Bible, a pen, and your Bible study notebook as we journey through the truths of God's Word. And now with today's Timeless Truth, here's Pastor Walton. Hebrews chapter number 6. Hebrews chapter number 6. We're going to be starting in verse 9, but by way of review, we were looking at chapter 5, verse 11, to chapter 6, verse 8. And we're in this parenthetical section that we're going to end and uh, in verse 20. But the first part was endangerment. And we went and took two broadcasts to deal with the endangerment. They had become dull of hearing. And the word means soft or sluggish, lazy. And then they became stunted in their growth. They were babes and they needed to be back on the milk. And then they were stalled. They weren't moving up. He said, leaving the principles of these things that you know, these things that you learn, grow up and keep learning. It's great that you know these. Don't forget them, but move on. Leave just sticking around there and move on. They had been, they had slipped, and we dealt with that passage about if they fall away, it's impossible to uh, bring again to repentance. Now, the apostle that wrote here comes and he goes from endangerment to in encouragement so we see some encouragement here and he says but beloved verse 9 we are persuaded better things of you and things that accompany salvation though we thus speak now the the writer here says look first of all the people beloved and it's an interesting word because many 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 times it's connected with God and in the area of the word beloved it's it's it comes from agapao it's part of that word there and it's uh, a word that means beloved dear but spoken only of christians as united with god or with each other in the bonds of christ's love holy love okay so the two go together so basically what he's saying here is beloved you who are loved by me and by God, okay? You And by the way, it's in the perfect tense that we're going to get to. We are persuaded. Beloved, we are persuaded. The people are beloved, and the people that he loves, dearly loves, he was persuaded. Perfect tense. He, it means he was completely and totally persuaded. What was he completely and totally uh, persuaded better things now love is interesting 
because when we talk about agape love, we're talking about the selfless, sacrificial, giving love. We're not talking about phileo love that deals with the brotherly love or the way to the opposite end, the eros love, which is the sensual. He's talking about the kind of love that you should have. Now, he's trying to show them, I'm persuaded better things. I don't want any of you to fall away like that, to slip. You, you need to not get into that thing. And I think it would behoove us to remind ourselves that the person who does that hurts themselves. To the, I mean, to their very foundation, they hurt themselves. But they hurt the ones who love them. And that includes our Lord Jesus Christ who, who died for them to be saved. And it hurts and cuts to the heart and the quick and gets deep. And when you think about that, you know, uh, the Bible has a lot to say about those kind of things. Let love be without dissimulation. That word simply means hypocrisy. Don't be a hypocrite in your love. Abhor that which is evil. Detest it. Hate it with a vengeance. Cleave to that which is good. When Paul wrote to the uh, Galatians, he, he had several things that he absolutely was bewildered about. And it comes in forms like this. You did run well. Who did hinder you that you should not obey the truth? This persuasion cometh not of him that calleth you. A little leaven, a little sin, leaveneth the whole lump. I have confidence in you through the Lord that ye will be none otherwise minded. But he that troubleth you shall bear his judgment whosoever he be. He was, another passage in Galatians, he says, who hath bewitched you and, and put that spell on you? And he said, you've turned from a gospel to another gospel, which isn't the gospel. And he uses the Greek word, uh, another, is, there are two Greek words, alos, the same, heteros, different. He says, how is it you are looking at a gospel that I preached and going to another heteros that's not the same? Those are the kind of things that was happening as people would come behind and try to shake the faith of those that got saved. And so we need to remind ourselves over and over and over again of the persuasion that people are praying for us and have confidence in us and we need better things. And the word better there means stronger, nobler, the best. You know, you can do good. You can do what's better. But it's always at the expense of the best. And seek the best in everything. We are persuaded of you. And by the way, it's in the indicative mood, which means the mood of certainty. He wasn't bluffing. He meant every word of what he was saying. And we want better things of you and the things that accompany salvation. Well, what are the things that accompany salvation? Well, first of all, we get the Holy Spirit in us to convict us. And so when we get convicted, we need to respond to that conviction immediately. We absolutely need to get that 
taken care of. Otherwise, he's going to continue to convict until chastisement kicks in. Secondly, we have the Holy Spirit to open our spiritual eyes and guide us into that truth and teach us that truth. And when Paul prays, his prayers for the Colossians, his prayers in Ephesians, as he prays in different places, he will say things like this, the eyes of your understanding being enlightened. I'm praying for that. I'm praying that you will be empowered through the word and the Holy Ghost giving it to you. Not only was he persuaded, but he wanted to stress that they are saved and they need to be doing things that show that salvation by taking what now God has worked in and they work it out. Philippians talks about that, that we are to work out our own salvation with fear and trembling for it is God that worketh in us, both the will and do of his good pleasure. He worked in, you work out what he worked in. Now that's proven in the next verse where we see performance. We see the works. And look what he says here. For God is not unrighteous to forget your work and labor of love, which you have showed toward his name, and that you have ministered to the saints and do minister. The first word there, he says, God is not unrighteous to forget your work. The Greek word is ergon. We get our word energy from it. The, uh, we put our energy into the work of God. And then he says, your labor of love. And uh, this word has everything to do with uh, that which is you know, to the very core of laboring, as in cutting off strength. I mean weariness, toiling. That's the idea of that word. And God's not unrighteous to forget that energy that you put out there to do the right things and the toiling and laboring that you have done because of your love, your labor of love, agapao love. Agapes is the word here, the form of that word agapao. It is the fact that we are laboring out of a selfless, and not selfish, and out of a giving, sacrificial love for the work and labor of God, which you have showed toward his name. Now, I want to stop, and I'm going to show you something here. Very important that we get this concept. When you work and labor outwardly to other people and it's all outward and it's not coming from the upward you will grow weary and well-doing you will get discouraged and you'll probably quit you can never work out till you remember what God worked in so you're not laboring for them you're laboring for him and when you labor for him and he reminds you of the love he had when he was here on this earth as he helped people and the love he had when he went to Calvary and the love he had when he saved you by faith 
you will remember that and the outward you won't grow weary in well-doing you will find that Christ will strengthen you and help you and he says here you have showed towards his name in that you have ministered to the saints and do minister and this word means to be an attendant to wait upon to serve to be a servant what a incredible statement and it says you showed this to his name and you have served you are out there as in the active voice you're actively doing this and you keep on doing it now what he he plays on this that you have ministered eris tense you've done it in the past and you are doing it now you do minister it's in the present and it was active voice you are actively doing this that is incredible the performance god will not forget god loves to to see the the fruit of your labor and he's not going to forget it so don't be slothful this is what he says in verse 11 and we desire that every one of you do show the same diligence business term that the same kind of of uh, haste speed zeal effort earnestness diligence to the full assurance of hope unto the end don't forget the hope the confident expectation that comes from the full entire complete assurance that you have to the end that ye be not slothful but followers of them who through faith and patience inherit the promises okay these things are incredible he's saying what he's saying is it's just my incredible desire that every one of you would fully get hold of the hope that's in you that you would never lose the fact that you have a confident expectation of the Lord Jesus Christ if he's bringing you to this and giving you the strength and power man he says I, I don't go back into that dullness don't grow slack don't fall off the road don't do that but you look at those who are serving and doing and and being and you watch those that are those who are followers through faith and patience inherit the promises patience patient people inherit the promises they keep going and then in verse number 13 he gives through the end of the chapter here he gives his expectation he's encouraged them but now he's got an expectation that he wants from them for when God made promise to Abraham because he could swear by no greater he swear by himself saying surely blessing I will bless thee and multiplying I will multiply thee and so after he had patiently endured he obtained the promise now I want you to stop and remind ourselves what was said to Abraham way back when we were in the book of Genesis chapter 12 I will bless them that bless you, Abraham, and I will curse them that curse you. 
and he set up a covenant. He swore by that covenant that out of the seed of Abraham would come a child, and Sarah would have a child in her old age, and there was some hiccups along the way there. But we have Isaac, and he said, you will be blessed. I will bless you. I will multiply you. He, here he has, he's old. He has one child of promise. That's Isaac. Isaac has the twin boys, Jacob and Esau. Esau was the elder, but ended up serving the younger. Jacob becomes the father of the 12 boys who become the 12 tribes of Israel. And over time, when we leave Egypt, we probably are leaving Egypt with around 3 million uh, of what is now the Jewish nation. The tribes have become God's chosen physical seed people. And God said, Abraham, I will bless thee. Multiplying, I will multiply thee. And so after he had patiently endured, he obtained the promise. That word endured there is to have long patience. It's to be long Spirited. I like that part of the definition. It comes from a compound Greek word, which the uh, prefix has the idea of a long, enduring temper. You don't lose your cool. You don't lose your testimony. You long. It takes you way out there. And certainly, I believe that we can hurt our testimony very, very quickly if we're not careful. And when we do that, ooh, we find ourselves in all kinds of a mess. And we don't want to do that. And the Bible has lots of things to say about the fact that we should not be slothful, but look for things like looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross. See, now stop and think about that. The horriblest way to die at that time on the earth in torture and suffering was the cross. You would have to push up to try to get a breath, and then it, you would fall down. It would jerk. Those nails would just jug everything. Plus, he had been beaten 39 times, save one. He, he said it was a joy to go to that cross for you and endure it, despising the shame. He's now set down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest you be worried and faint your minds. That just simply means this. You need to look at what he did when he didn't have to do it. He did it for you, lest you become wearied and faint your minds, which is what I said. Keep your eyes on Jesus, which is what it says, looking unto Jesus, the author, the beginner, and the finisher of our faith. One day, our faith here will be sight, and we won't have to live by faith anymore as far as will we see Jesus. We will be seeing Jesus. We will see our Heavenly Father. We will see our mansions. They, they are, things are going to happen. Therefore, Peter said, for even here too were you called because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that you should follow his steps. Paul said that he wanted to know him in the power of his resurrection and in the fellowship of his sufferings. Not too many people would pray that. 
But that is exactly what he prayed. And so we see here the consider the fact that we are going to be like Abraham. Consider the patriarch. Because he said here, and so after he had patiently endured, he obtained the promise. He got what God promised him. He got Isaac. Now, in verse number 16, he changes from consider the patriarch to consider God's promise. For men verily swear by the greater, and an oath for confirmation is to them an end of all strife. Wherein God, willing more abundantly to show the heirs of promise, the immutability of his counsel, confirmed it by an oath that by two immutable things in which it was impossible for God to lie, we might have a strong consolation who have fled for refuge to lay hold upon the hope set before us, which hope we have as an anchor of the soul, both sure and steadfast, and which entereth into that within the veil whither the forerunner is for us entered, even Jesus made a high priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. And that will translate us into chapter 7, where he is better than the Aaronic priesthood. And that's what we'll be dealing with in the next broadcast. But for right now, let's look at this again and see what is happening here in verse number 16. First, we see that he said, for men verily swear by the greater. Swearing is not to be confused with cussing here. It's, it's, it's declaring what you say is absolutely true. To swear by the greater means the highest authority, such as God. Okay, And the, the oath for confirmation is to them an end of all strife. Uh, when you have that which you have entered into agreement with, and the Lord, if you follow that agreement, it will stop all the controversy. You know, race relations could be ended very quickly because there are no barriers in race when you meet a fellow Christian. We have the same Lord Jesus Christ, the same Heavenly Father, and we, can, we are instantly family. Okay? Now, in our courts, men perjure themselves. Okay? But we... we better not do that to God because God will hold us accountable. So what God said, God was willing more abundantly to show to the heirs of promise the immutability, the unchangeableness of his counsel. And he did that by confirming it with an oath. That by two immutable things, two unchangeable things, in which it was impossible for God to lie. All right, the first thing here, this is in the Bible many times. God doesn't lie. He is the author of truth. Sanctify them through thy truth, thy word is truth. What he says is true, and he never lies. So, the we in here says that we have, who have fled for refuge, that we might have a strong consolation, the we is dealing with us that are Christians and the assurance that has been given. Now, look what he says here. He says, we, God cannot lie. You can trust him. He's not going to change his mind. It's impossible. God cannot lie. Okay? 
which is interesting because God's word is certain and sure and trustworthy. Trustworthy. It says here, he cannot lie, that we might have a strong consolation, exhortation, comfort, who have fled for refuge to lay hold upon the hope, the confident expectation set before us. It's real important that you understand that because we have that hope we must turn to. He, he, he has an unchangeableness about him. He's not going to, to change his mind. He, he, he is out there, and he is our strength. We need to grasp hold of that confident expectation. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me and remind ourselves what the next verse says, which hope we have as an anchor of the soul. Listen, an anchor of the soul the very being of which where Christ dwells and the Holy Spirit dwells. We have an anchor, that which holds us steady, that which keeps us attached and secure. And he says, both sure, that means certainly safe, completely and totally safe, and steadfast, firm. We, we are being fixed and sure and certain, and nobody's going to, get here that we're stable folks we're secure in him we're constant in him we're okay we have this hope as an anchor of the soul and it's both sure and it is steadfast and that which entereth into the veil that reaches inside the holy of holies that gets inside the place that was covered we have an anchor of the soul. It's a hope. It's a confident expectation. When we pray, we go straight to the throne room of God. And we've entered into that room. Whither the forerunner is for us entered, even Jesus. That's where he's entered. He's in the Holy of Holies. And he made it possible for you and I to enter the holy of holies. Made a high priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. That's why we can come boldly before the throne of grace to obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Because we don't go to man. We don't talk behind the curtain to somebody in heaven. We have a high priest in the holy of holies with direct access. And it's a hope that we have as an anchor of the soul, both sure and steadfast, and which entereth into the veil. Father, thank you for that awesome promise and privilege. Two immutable things. You are unchanging. I am the Lord. I change not. Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. We bless your holy name and thank you and praise you. In Jesus' precious name, we pray these things. Amen and amen. This is Pastor Walton praying. You have an absolutely awesome week. Yes, I believe every word that he said is true. I believe he'll do exactly what he said he would do. How I love his 
precious word It thrills me through and through I believe every word is true Oh, I believe every word that he said is true I believe he'll do exactly what he said he would do How I love his precious word It thrills me through and through I believe every You've been listening to the Teaching Timeless Truths radio broadcast with Pastor Roger Walton. You can send all correspondence to tttbroadcasts at gmail.com. Tune in again next week for another Timeless Truth.